0: inside Bullies Pub at uh, Xfinity Live for the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters Roundtable. Wow, look at you freaks out here. You guys all pumped up about the win? Yeah, look at that. Well, we got to have a lot of fun here today. We got about a 90-minute program for you. We got a lot of great guests. Anthony Sanfilippo here. From Crossing Broad and the Snow, the goalie—that po- should be the name of my podcast. That's right; it should be the name of your podcast. Yeah. But I <laughs> thought of it before you did. You did. You stole it. That's right. Uh, next to him, the one and only—he's like the the Ray Didinger of hockey—from <laughs> NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. You hear him on Off the Post, Hockey Buzz. You read him everywhere. The one and only, Bill Meltzer, in the house. Say hello, Bill. Say hi, Bill. Bill. Hey everybody. Hey, ben. Bill, could you give no. us like a keg stand? <laughs> Bill's a man of <laughs> few words,
1: on. man of few words.
0: Well, once we get him talking about hockey, he will not be a man of That's few right. words. Uh, to his right is uh, my co-host on the Stick to Hockey podcast and the one and only, you can follow him on Twitter at Sportsology. He's on the Off the Post podcast, uh, the host of NHL Prospects Radio on Sirius XM NHL, TSN, the one and only Russ Cohen.
2: Hey, hello.
0: What's going on, Russ? Russ, can you hear me?
2: I can. I can hear you. All right, just I'm talking into the mic. I don't I, know
0: well, when I talk. He's, he's to you you slight,
1: he's slightly distracted. down He, there. he just usually,
0: you're he, just louder. That's all. He never listens when I talk to him. He Russ, just answers whatever he wants. Neither does your wife. What's the difference? Well, he's always louder, Russ. You have that in common with her. Uh, <laughs> and to Russ's right is the one and only from the Off the Post podcast. You know him from Center Ice Magazine, Center Ice Philly Magazine. The great Anthony Minjody joining us. Ed, how you doing?
3: Doing good, Jason. Happy afternoon.
0: This collection of people, and there'll be more to join us. Let me just tell the people who else will be here. Charlie O'Connor from Broad Street Hockey and The Athletic will be joining us momentarily. He did have some uh, work to finish up and uh, Scott Gordon's press conference. So he's going to do his duties so he doesn't get fired from those. Also, going to join us a little bit later in the podcast from the Snow the Goalie podcast. Uh, Russ uh, Russ is going to join us here, right, Ant? Russ Joy will be joining us, that's right. Uh, Also... Uh, from Broad Street Hockey, Bill Motz is going to be in. Is Bill here?
1: Bill's here. Is he? Right at the, Where's he he's at, the right bar? Oh, he's got a beer. Shock. Of course he's got a beer. You surprised? <laughs> Good job, Bill. That's that's, my, that's right. It's the way to go. Bill looks how I feel
0: <laughs> right now. Uh, also, from Broad Street Hockey, Kelly Hinkle will be here. Steph Driver will be here. And we're going to talk to lots of people, including, and for all you guys, uh, the head coach, the interim head coach. Do we still call him that? Well, he's technically still the interim head coach, yes. Yeah, Scott Gordon will join us momentarily, which we're very excited about. And kind of what we're going to do is we're going to go through several segments here on this broadcast. We're going to kind of talk about the state of the Flyers in very, a lot of different regards. What you see on the ice now, what you're going to see on the ice in the future. We're going to talk about the general manager, Chuck Fletcher. We're going to talk about the prospects of either Scott Gordon or another head coach. Uh, taking over the bench for this team long-term, and everything in between. We'll rehash some Ron Hextall and Dave Hackstall. and we'll get into everything. But first, where we're going to start here today, and Scott Gordon will be with us momentarily, is we're going to start with kind of a state of the organization, and we'll start with you, Anthony. Anthony Sanfilippo from the Snow the Bo- uh, Snow the Goalie podcast. Give us your kind of 60, 90-second capsule of the state of the Philadelphia Flyers. Well,
1: I'll tell you, Jason. One of the things for me is, I when we started planning this uh, event yeah. uh, and you were putting this together, we never thought that we would be sitting here following a seven-game winning streak. Like we thought this was going to be more of a, you know, funeral. Uh, yeah, funeral procession with this team. Instead, now they're starting to make people think that they can find a way to climb back into things this season. I'm not necessarily certain that that's really. Uh, A doable thing at this point. I mean, I know everybody's going to get excited. I think they're currently within seven points of a playoff spot, although Columbus does have two games in hand. Uh, But I think what you're seeing is that this team uh, is is one of those teams that's not as bad as maybe they looked for a long period of time. And and so moving forward, this is an organization that can rebound rather quickly. I know earlier in the season – um, I was comparing, the, comparing this season to 2007, which might have been the worst season in Flyers franchise history. Yep. But they were able to turn it around within one year, made a couple of smart moves, and got to the Eastern Conference Finals the following year. And I kind of thought that that's where this team was, you know, just a couple of spots away, being able to do that. Uh, and I still think that that's the case, and I think you're starting to see why. Uh, Part of it obviously has to do with Carter Hart now playing in goal, uh, playing really well back there. The defense has tightened up, and I don't just mean the, the blue line. I mean the entire team defense is a lot better, and they are confident. And I think Scott Gordon has kind of created that culture and that environment, and that's where this team is. So I still don't think it's a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's good to see them winning. It's good to see them going in the right direction, and I think there's reason to be excited about where this team is headed into 2019-2020. Uh, and showing up fashionably late. Charlie. And looking rather fashionable, the one and only Charlie O'Connor.
0: Charlie, how you doing?
4: Doing good. Sorry about that. The uh they the job the, called. The job called. They had the off-the-back night where they're taking oh, off the yeah. jersey, so that that slowed everything down in terms of interviewing players. So well, Apologies hard. for being a little bit late. Well,
0: You couple that with the fact that they had to be dramatic and go to overtime and all that. but They wouldn't we'll, be the
4: Flyers if they didn't.
0: We'll take it. So what we're doing right now, Charlie, is we're kind of giving our 60 to 90-second state of the Flyers right now. So I'm going to let Bill go so you can collect your thoughts. And I know that when you get your thoughts going, there's a lot of analytics that could get involved. So we'll talk about that as well. But Bill Meltzer, your, your summation of where the Flyers are right now.
5: Well, I think when you look at the reasons why the Flyers got buried in the standings, I th- you can point to three things. Of, you know, above all else, it, it was the lack of goaltending stability. Number one. Number two, uh, you know, your your key defensemen Ivan Provorov and, and Shane Goss bear, were way off their games in the first half of the season. And then you look at the specialty teams. You know, they where they buried themselves in the first quarter of the season on the penalty kill. And then overall in the season, until very recently uh, on the power play. So if you look at where, where the team has been recently, what have you seen? Well, you've seen the goaltending stabilize. Carter Hart has come in and played, you know, tremendous hockey, helped stabilize the position, and also of course um, Anthony Stolarz was tremendous in that shutout he had in um, Madison Square Garden. The goaltending piece has snapped into place. If you look at Ivan Provorov's play since the All Star break, he's been tremendous. You know, overall in the in these four games since the break. And um, the penalty kill started to get better, you know, basically after Thanksgiving. And now the power plays hot all of a sudden. Obviously, today was uh, specialty teams really carry the day for the, for the team today. Um, you know, and that really – and that snapped in place. But I'll, I'll say one other thing as well. Uh, yes, the Flyers have been a very streaky team in recent years. You know, win 10 in a row. Last year, winless in 10 and up and down and up and down. The one reason why this feels different to me is now you have – young guys who have to kind of carry the ball running forward, the Nolan Patricks, the uh, the Lindbloms, those, those guys are stepping up lately, and of course Carter Hart, and those those are the things that whether you make the playoffs this year or not give me a lot of hope going forward.
0: Alright, there's Bill Meltzer. Can everybody hear okay out there? You guys hear, hear good? You guys got good, uh, good audio, good job. Uh, that's Bill Meltzer's summation of where the Flyers are right now, the state of the state. Let's go to uh, my co-host on the Stick to Hockey podcast,
2: the one and only Russ Cohen. Russ, well, what's your summation? Uh, my summation is they're not as good as they seem, and they're not as bad as they seem. They're a team that's sort of like in that NHL gully. They'll they'll rip off ten wins. They'll lose five in a row. They just they do need to change. Just one trade probably isn't enough. They've got to change the core because I think they have a lot of heart in the locker room, but I think they're used to doing strange runs like this, going on big streaks, and then losing those streaks. They raised their level of sloppiness to equal the Edmonton Oilers today. That's pretty obvious. And Ken Hitchcock was not thrilled with uh, his team's penalty kill, as you might imagine. Right now, it's it's been a real good run. I think Carter Hart's instilled a lot of confidence in the guys in front of him. I think Gordon has instilled a lot of confidence in the younger players, like Bill was saying, and I think they're performing. So it's nice to see at least players developing. From my perspective, even if you don't make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, players are developing. Nolan Patrick scored a big goal today. To me, that's important. All right, there it is. Uh, Russ Cohen's capsule, and leave it to Russ
0: to, to be so optimistic and bright. Really pick <laughs> up everybody's <laughs> spirit, like a nice rainstorm in, in the middle of uh, in the winter. But 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 <laughs> Russ, it was honest, Russ. I appreciate that. That's what you I do. I am honest. Yeah, that's what you do, I, that, and that's why I love you. Uh, let's go to the man right now from Center Ice Philly Bag. Uh, you hear him on the Off the Post podcast, Anthony Joni joining us. And where, where's your state of the Flyers right now?
3: I'm going to obviously echo in many ways a lot of my uh, panelists here and the fact that, as my co-host on Off the Post says, they're not as good as, we, as they are, but they're not as bad. The biggest thing I see with Philadelphia at the beginning of the season was goaltending sabotaged a lot of what they wanted to do, making a step forward this season. Um, the goaltending was unquestionably substandard. Uh, special teams obviously struggled greatly as well. Um, there are obviously right now, these are there's good signs for them in terms of going forward, but you have to look at it more from the long-term perspective as opposed to this season. You have to hope, if you're a Flyers fan, that if the teams that make the playoffs this year, they need a lot of help in front of them, and they've got to continue in many ways what they're doing right now. Um, obviously, continuing... With the uh, tightening up the defense, uh, certainly shifting to the 1-3-1 neutral zone, I think was a smart move on their part, covering their back end, also protecting Carter Hart, um, playing hard, obviously, for Hart in this circumstance. So, again, we have to look at things, obviously, as much from the long-term perspective as what's going on right now.
0: All right, that's Anthony Mangione. uh, And Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic and Broad Street Hockey. Charlie, uh, I'm really interested to get your take because you're a guy that looks at things oftentimes in a very analytical eye. And have the analytics changed? And where where do you have this state of this franchise right now?
4: You know, I just I, I think this team is in a really they're in a really weird, unique situation because I'm one of the people who who does think that they're closer to turning the corner than maybe a lot of people think. Maybe now this win streak has people thinking optimistically more so than a couple weeks ago. But while they have. A lot, a lot of good things going for them. They have, they have, I do think they have a good young core. They have a lot of cap space. They have, a, they have a bunch of prospects. Maybe not super duper time. high end prospects, but a, a bunch of prospects that are going to be good NHLers. But they're also in a position where they absolutely need to nail this offseason. And, and part of the reason why they need to nail it is because moves are coming. They're, it's going to happen. Chuck Fletcher has all but guaranteed that they are going to be one of the most active teams over the next. Four, five, six months in terms of actively trying to improve the team by trades, signings, pretty much any avenue he can do. And when when you put yourself in a position where you've you've basically set it set in stone, we're making moves that just gives you the opportunity to make mistakes. And they can't afford to make mistakes because they have a good foundation, but. If you're gonna like if you're gonna go out and sign players, you gotta make sure the signings are like what they did the last time the team was bad. They went out, they got chemo team and then Scott Hart and all Danny Breer. Those are the signings you need to make. You can't go out and you can't go out and sign somebody who then within a, a year or two, that's an Albatross contract. Then all the work that you put in as a franchise to get yourself out of those problems, then you're back into those problems. So what it really boils down to is Are the right decisions going to be made in the next few months? Do they pick the right prospects to trade? Do they pick the right prospects to keep? Do they make the right signings? Do they trade the right pieces? Because they're probably going to make a couple trades, probably going to ship a few guys out from this roster. You got a good foundation. Carter Hart solves the biggest problem you've had for years, which is the goaltender. I think I'm fairly confident that he's he's for real. You got a good young defense core. You got forwards, you know, maybe the forward core isn't quite set, but it's good and there's a lot of young pieces that are going to be productive. But Fletcher just – he needs to make the right moves over the next few months to take advantage, and it's just going to be a fascinating next few months because it's kind of like the, the, the process it sort of stands on the – it's on the edge of a knife, and you just, you just can't make mistakes now because you're in a position where you can make a big turn next year or you can go take three years back, and then you're in the same spot you were in for the next, uh, you know, for the next decade.
0: Yeah, and that's the, the really interesting thing, and I want to throw this to you guys before uh, we get to Scott Gordon, who will be your momentarily Flyers interim head coach. Uh, there's this notion out there. Well, this team is so streaky. They win ten, they don't make the playoffs. They lose ten, they make the playoffs. And you know, a lot of people will say, what they're doing now in winning seven straight, and who knows if this goes to ten or eleven or whatever. But all they're doing is fooling everybody again, and that the general manager is gonna, this is gonna be a false messiah, as it has been in the past, and that this Jekyll and Hyde of this team, which has been their biggest issue with this core. But this general manager, it's my belief, and I don't know if you guys agree, that no matter how many they win straight here, the general manager still knows there's a fundamental flaw
1: in the makeup of the core of this team. Do you agree with that? Yes. I do. Yeah, I I think we all agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, Jason, that there is there still remains a fundamental flaw here. Um, the, The fact of the matter is is that this team has been doing this. For what four years now? It's the definition right? of insanity. Right. I mean, it really is. It's the same thing over and over again. And so when you you play well for a while, and then you play bad for a while, and then you you fix it and you get it right going again, and oh, if there's this false hope, and then oh, and then they come back and crush your soul, right? So I mean, that's kind of how they play. So something within that group has to change. There needs to be a shakeup. And right now they may be playing like, hey, we don't want that shakeup. Look at how good we can play together. But the reality is is that if you leave this alone after February 25th, it probably goes back a little bit to what what they were doing previously. So something has to happen before that. And I think Chuck Fletcher recognizes that and realizes that, and I think that he will make the changes that he needs to make, or at least try to. Now, Bill Meltzer, let me ask you, because it's like the
0: godfather. It's like uh, they, they break my heart to start a season. They fire the general manager. They fire the coach. And once I think that I'm out, they pull me back in with a win streak, right? So when you look at this, and you're close to the team, do you think that he will be resolute and not be blinded by what's happened?
5: Yeah, I I think that uh, Chuck spoke to it actually uh, this this past Monday in saying that, you know, you can't keep running the same things out there and expecting different results. He he came directly out and said that. I do think that this current run is is a little different from other hot streaks, just because you have so many of the young guys who are stepping up during, during this current run. The way that Nolan Patrick has played, the way Oscar Lindblom has stepped up, you know, again, uh, it's not just it's not just the, the core guys, you know, it's not just the JVRs and the the Drews that are leading at the, the Couturiers. You have different guys who are stepping to the forefront here. I do think you're going to see some changes still within the core, you know, um, you know the guys who are unrestricted free agents, and maybe even some guys who are not unrestricted free agents could be on the move. But I do think that you know and uh, chuck identified as a critical part of it, and I agree with him. when you're assessing the team's needs going forward the way that Carter-Hart has played the way that Nolan Patrick has played suddenly it becomes a little bit easier to target some other needs on the team and I know we're going to get a little bit in, into you know Hexy's firing I mean there were there were issues that were pretty glaring at the end of last season that were not filled this summer and a lot of those things were kind of what stepped up and bit the team early on
0: now Russ when you look at this team and the guys that could potentially move. Let's start with the guys that potentially could be moved by the deadline. Obviously Wayne Simmons is that guy with an expiring contract and who know we know the players uh, or we've heard the players are lobbying to keep Wayne here because of the presence he is in that locker room and that's all well and good. But the general manager can't listen to that. Who are the guys that could potentially uh, be tradable at the deadline to therefore tee yourself up even better for the offseason? to make this not a rebuild, but more of a retool on the fly?
2: I mean, Michael Roffle will be a guy that gets dealt. I think he's rehabilitated himself enough to get, you know, like a fourth-round pick. But I think, again, acquire whatever you can because I think Fletcher will bundle and try and put together as much as he can to, to get, you know, a bigger deal. I think is an interesting one because I would have told you a month and a half ago he was going to get dealt, but now it seems like they've spent an awful lot of time rehabilitating him and he's good against the cap, so I don't think Goss Spear is going anywhere, but I think I think Hag or Sandheim is probably going to get dangled because if you want to get somebody big, yeah. you're going to have to give up
5: somebody with a lot of future uh, future promise. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with Ross there. I, I actually Fight think, him, fight him, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think Sandheim has moved much closer to the untouchable side of it. The, he's playing, you know, sometimes 24 minutes a night. He's playing in all game situations. I mean, honestly, I, and I'm not saying Ghost is expendable. I don't believe that, but I think that. You know, if you have the right deal that's out there, actually you might think about it a little bit more, whereas I think Sandheim's playing in the top pairing now, and he's, he's kind of thriving in that, and I think he has another level. So actually I'd be quite surprised if Sandheim was the guy who's moved.
1: Uh, I, can I add something to that, uh, Jason? I, if you look at these these defensemen, right, and, and how poorly they were playing earlier in the season, and we saw Ivan Provorov now, I think, over the last several weeks has been able to recover his game, right? At least on the defensive side. He's playing a lot better defensively. We've seen Sandheim take that next step that we were all hoping that he he would take to become, you know, a a better defenseman than he was last season or even at the beginning of this season. So we've seen that progression. What have we seen Shane Goss bear-wise? Regression. We've seen regression and not being able to rebound from that regression. So I think that that's one of the reasons why, Russ, you see Augustus bears name kind of floating out there a little bit more it did. It be, did. because he has not been able to, to overcome that regression now does is there still time sure he's still a young enough defenseman to, to be able to have that happen but I still think that of this defensive group um, I, well Aside from Racco Gudas, who's a veteran who could also Gudas is
2: untouchable. I mean, that's crazy to say, but he's
1: probably. I don't untou- think so. I think that I think he's I a veteran defenseman him. who could who could be moved. And he's a right shot, the he's well. a right. He's the type of defenseman that teams will trade for at this time of year. Yeah, the- there's no doubt about it, and that's what makes him. That's well, what why would reliable. you
5: trade him? He's good against the cap, and he's good defensively now. Because he's unrestricted after next year, and his peak value is right now. Right now, now. And he has a yep. year to go. Exactly, because a exactly. team
1: could get two
0: he- kicks at the can with him.
1: Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna make Phil Myers and then Sam Moran come in and, and have a, sh- a chance to play, they're gonna have to m- get rid of two yeah, people off the roster. Anthony, but
2: you're, you're guessing with Moran. Like we're all guessing with Moran. But we if don't know.
1: But if you're gonna give him a chance, Myers, we know. But Moran, if you're gonna give him a chance, Ross, if you're gonna give him sure. a chance, no, he'll get a chance then there has to be some room on the roster for him. Well, so you're going to have to move to defensemen. You're not I, moving Andrew McDonald because of the contract. No, but I don't know if he'll be on the team next year. I think I would say, I would. think they might buy him out. That's potential for the offseason I'm talking about now. I know. I, I get th- it. Th- but th- you got to th- look ahead. You yeah, do. Anthony Mangione, let, let me ask you, because I've been pretty critical of Sam
0: Moran, just putting it lightly, <laughs> um, <laughs> for about four years now. Uh, I don't believe that he is a, an NHL defenseman. Um, I think the game has changed too much for his style of play. I think they reached when they drafted him. He's a good straight line skater. I worry about his ability to turn his hips. Couple that with all of the injuries, but is it how important it is for the Flyers to get a look at Sam Morant and use the the, the you know whatever they can get twenty games of NHL out of him to see what they have? That's paramount.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's. Go ahead, Ant. You might as well finish up. Yeah, out, you can answer. finish it. Finish that thought. No, in terms of in, in terms of the type of defenseman that obviously they're looking at, a guy like Moran, I agree, it's going to be difficult in that circumstance. I think overall, to see what what he's going to become as an NHLer.
0: Okay, I mean that's that's a big question mark for me. And, and Phil Myers is a guy and a guy that a lot of people like, and I know the guy that's about to sit down to my right here likes him as well. And this is why it's great to talk to the Flyers coach Scott Gordon because. He's gotten a look at so many of these young players that are going to be so much a part of uh, the future of this team. And, Scott, first of all, I, I know as a head coach, it- it's a busy time for you. Let me first just thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. And, you know, you see these people here that care so much about this team and uh, care about the future of this team. And that's what we're discussing today. Uh, but uh, thanks for doing this first and foremost.
6: Thanks for having me. I didn't even know this was here. This was awesome. <laughs> well, well.
0: The, the bar's over there, too. No, I meant you got... Oh,
1: you
6: yeah. didn't know we were here. But we're not here all the time. <laughs> yeah. just, this is a
1: special occasion, yeah. so we My
0: do wife appreciate le- you coming out. My wife lets me come home from time to time. <laughs> I, I, I was. I didn't know if you were going to come in doing the bean pot Trot, but I know Anthony's going to ask you about no, that. No, I'm not. <laughs> but, I'm not. But when we started this, planning for this, Scott, um, it was prior even to your arrival, and the, the reasoning for us doing this kind of state of the team was to assess where things are, what has happened, what has not happened, and where things need to go. But you're riding a seven-game win streak right now, and I'd be foolish not to ask you about how the confidence in your locker room, not only amongst the players, your goaltender, but also your coaching staff, has changed over this last seven games. What was before the break, and now after the break?
6: Well, I, I think uh, I, I think really it wasn't about trying to develop confidence as much as consistency. If you if you do things consistently, consistently. Uh, you'll eventually get confidence because you're going to have more success personally and as a team. And uh, really, that's where we're at right now. I, I feel like our guys are, are playing with a level of consistency that has allowed us to have success. Go
1: ahead, Eric. Uh One of the th- things that I've noticed, Scott, that's when you talk about consistency, if you look at the way that the defense has really kind of improved over the last, I don't know, you want to say a month maybe, maybe even a little bit longer than that at this point, Ivan Provorov struggled early in the year, he's kind of turned it around. Uh, Travis Sandheim really developing into the, the kind of defenseman you want him to get, and he's playing know. a lot more bigger minutes. Um, how important has that been for the team, where the team is now? And secondly, what I want to ask on, in conjunction with that, is how much has Rick Wilson really affected that, and, and getting them playing the right way?
6: Well, uh, first thing, Rick has a ton of experience and he's coached a lot of great defensemen in National Hockey, so you, you can never underestimate that, and that's that's no discredit to gordon murphy you know he's had a lot of to do with the development of ivan and and, uh, the guys that are here before uh, uh, will's got here but i I think the biggest thing is um when i came here i I made an emphasis of talking to our defensemen about being on the attack and and not retreating and and we make one d to d pass let's go it's not uh Try to find the perfect play in the neutral zone, the far blue line, send somebody in for the breakout. Let's have a five man attack. And, and I think our defensemen have really ad- adopted to that. And, and that in itself has been, for me, the biggest change.
1: One, one other thing along, along those same lines, today aside, I think today there was a little bit of a track meet, especially early in the first two periods. But you guys have really seemed to cut down on the number of odd man rushes a- a- against. Has that been something? Is it something you guys have been able to do there to really kind of. T- you know, tighten it up through the neutral zone so that you
6: don't really have those situations occur? Well, it, as far as the track meet, I, I thought it was a track meet one way in the first period. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, we, we have made changes in the neutral zone forecheck, check, and that's been something that started before the break. Uh, we talked about it. We worked it uh, slowly into our system play. And uh, when we came back from the break, it was uh, full board. And uh, that's something that uh, I felt... If, if I could make one change when I came here, that's what, one thing that I wanted to do. Uh, when I got here, we had four games in six days. There wasn't a whole lot of practice time. I think the first three weeks I was here, I, we only had four or five practices. So I looked at the schedule as to when it would be a good time to be able to incorporate a new board check in the neutral zone. And uh, as it turned out, it wasn't until uh, I, I think it was right after we got back uh uh, right, it was right before, sorry, right before the break, right before we played Montreal and I forget the two previous games. But we incorporated them and uh, just put some building blocks in place so that we came out of the break, uh, we could go full ball with it.
1: Yeah, Minnesota and Boston.
5: And the Boston game, it was really good, I thought, after that first period. In terms of the uh, volume of shots against, you're giving up more shots. But I think, you know, I think you would agree that the quality of shots overall, most games, you know, you've been controlling that. You've been taking away the inside, and you've been blocking a lot of shots and letting the goalies see the puck.
6: Well, it, it's it's funny how that goes. So, you know, if you're giving up a um, if you're not giving up a lot of shots and they are high scoring chances, the odd man rushes. You know, the, when the game's over, and you've outshot a team forty to twenty. Um, it, it doesn't really matter because if those twenty shots are of the caliber that the two on ones and breakaways are it's going to be hard to win games. It's hard to outscore your mistakes. Um, The games that we have given up a lot of shots, we've actually played really well defensively. And a a pretty good indicator that you're playing well defensively is the amount of blocked shots, because now you're defending from the inside out versus if you're playing high in your defensive zone or you're playing on the walls, you're going to get yourself chasing the the play into the middle of the ice, and you're not going to block shots. So um, it's not ideal to have a lot of shots, but that's usually not because of poor defensive coverage as much as it is what you're doing in the offensive zone, making sure that you have depth to your attack.
2: Scott, the uh, a lot of the younger players have been playing with a lot more confidence since you've taken over. What do you think you've done to sort of instill that in them and just give
6: them a shot in the arm? Uh, again, I, I, I don't like to use the word confidence. I, I like to use the word consistency in, in getting the players to do things consistently, You know how they, they play. How they practice, how they play each shift, um, their approach before every game, and, and we just keep hammering on the same things. Just don't don't stray from what gives us success, and uh, stay stay with
1: stay the course. Now we all we all see the the positives in Carter Hart, right? I mean, everyone sees it. it's not, it's not like it's it's a secret. But one thing that I think is really kind of interesting, he seems to simplify things. Uh, which is really rare for me for such a young player. And what I mean by that is something like, you know what, cover the puck and let's have a face-off because we happen to be the best face-off team in the NHL, yeah. right? So you get the puck back pretty quickly. It, it, you know, is, does that impress you when you see that coming out of a, a 20-year-old kid?
6: So it's funny you say that because the first uh, two or three weeks of the season – it was the opposite. He kept on throwing pucks away, and, and I actually had a conversation with him. Like him. We, we have some pretty good centers here that are going to face off, we'll win our share. That being said, uh, you know, it, it's better to lose a face off with fresh guys than to keep the play going and have guys get stuck in their zone and retired. So, um, the, the biggest thing with Carter though is, and the, the phrase I like to use is economy of motion. Like he's, never, he's never out of the play, he's always uh, squared to the puck. Uh, he has a great ability to track the puck through traffic, and um, and and now what we're seeing is rebound control has been excellent. And that was an area that he had to get better at when he was in Lehigh. You know, you go from having 16, 17, 18 year old shoot on your junior, the shots on is hard. So now it's a little bit more work being a pro in the American Hockey League. And so you now, for everybody th- said why you know why wasn't he here from the beginning? Like I, I didn't feel like he was ready until a month and a half into the season. And, Thank you. And it was slowly building to the point where when he did finally come up you could you could see that the potential was going to be he, there for him to do well if this situation was right.
3: Scott do you feel that the fact that you've coached a number of the younger players uh, on this roster in the NHL and also NHLers like James Van Riemsdyk when you were with Toronto do you feel it allows you uh, insight into giving them greater agency in this team
6: in the turnaround that this seems happening right now? Well every player I, I've had you know, some, some conversation with them about where I thought their game was and, uh, you know, whether they needed to stay the course or make changes and, and when you coach players, the amount, of coach, the amount of players that I've coached here, you have a familiarity to be able to go, fall back on and say, hey, you know, this is what you used to do, this is what I used to see and this is what you're not doing now and I think that part of the job has been a little bit easier for me having been with a lot of these guys. So
4: there's a lot been made I think over the last month and a half or so about your your direct communication with some players. The conversation you have with with JBR, I think you've had you had a conversation with, with Nolan before he went on this this run. You're obviously coming into a new situation. You you have some some prior connections with, you know, JBR, some of the young guys, but how quickly do you get a read on what to say to these guys directly, the guys that you haven't directly had contact with before taking this
6: job? Well, those, those guys are the ones that you have to watch and get a feel for what they are and what you think they should be and or if, if everything's fine. Um, that's that's not easy because you, know, you lose some time with that. Most of the guys that I talked to in probably the first two weeks that I was here were the guys that I, I, I knew whether they were doing what I thought they were capable of or, or where they needed to be
0: better. Scott, when you look at, at the team, and, and we know the trade deadline's coming, there's not a guy in that locker room that doesn't know it either. And the general manager, Chuck Fletcher, said there's really no untouchables on this team except Claude Giroux, and I'm, I'm assuming he also meant Carter Hart in that conversation as well. But when you look at that, and, and those guys know it, is, is it incumbent upon you to try and keep them focused and tune out that noise? Because there's some pretty big names. That, that have been floated obviously Wayne Simmons with an expiring contract is one of those guys do you see it weighing on those guys and how do you try and keep the eye keep them uh, focused and keep their eye on it
6: well it, the only way your situation is ever going to improve is if you play the best of ability and, and really that's that's the player's job anyway so no matter what your contract situation is if you want to get a, a better contract you want to get a better situation if you're not performing up to your abilities you're only hurting yourself
0: well, when you look at where this team is right now and you guys are really crawling back into it uh, where maybe as before, you know, you can play loose, you go, ah, we're not we can say we're in it because we're not mathematically out of it, but as you get closer and closer here and Columbus has faltered a bit and they've lost four straight and they have some really difficult decisions to make uh, regarding Panarin and Sergey Bobrovsky uh, your group feel, really feels like they can they can kind of see this all the way through, don't they?
6: Yeah, I mean, We don't have conversations about it, but the, the one thing that I've to the players about is just making sure that let's not look at the eighth seed. Let's let's look at the two or three teams that are, are in striking distance, the ones that are two, three, four, five points ahead of us. Let's let's try to get above them. And then once we do that, then we can move to the next tier of teams. And you know hopefully we get ourselves into a position that we can talk about the eight do, do you break your schedule up into clumps? Not not no, I, I, I look at it as every game is the most important game of the we're not saying, all right, we've got to, we have to go and win two out of three. We, we have to win tonight's game, whatever
5: tonight's game is, whoever we're playing, that, that's going to be our focus. Nolan Patrick said after today's game that uh, one of the biggest differences for him now, as opposed to a few weeks ago, is you know now he wants the puck on his stick, but it, but it seemed to, you know, and, and you've addressed this you know yourself that there was a, there was a build-up to the breakthrough, right? It was plays, making a good play in the defensive zone, getting up ice. Making some nice plays, going over the middle, and you know there wasn't the reward at first, um, and it was kind of piece by piece so the breakthrough finally came. So where do you think his game kind of started at, and where do you think he is now? I, I, I thought the first four
6: games I coached that uh, I liked what I saw, and then uh, we went on the road, and you know we we just weren't a very good team. We were on the road, inconsistent, and on our heels, and um, then he got hurt, and so we missed some time with that, and. Uh, You know, he didn't jump right back in it and pick up where he left off uh, before the Christmas break. Uh, But I thought he was closer to being what he's doing now. And I I think with uh, Patty, and it's no different than any other player, um, if you want to have success offensively, you have to be around the net. You have to be in the scoring areas. Uh, You know, I I showed both him and and, uh, TK uh, a clip yesterday of Kasanak on their second goal. He's standing over the faceoff dot on the weak side and the puck goes out to the point and he sprints to the net He gets between Carter and I think it was Robert Hag, and uh, Stands in front and then as the play goes D to D he pushes Robert Hag away So now that softens up the coverage keeps uh, Carter inside the net and he gets the tip lands on Carter's pad and rolls into the net and That's a that's a 30-plus goal scorer He's got the willingness to do that and so I think for young players, you know, that's a message that I'm, I'm always trying to, to deliver. And unfortunately, you know, there's a price to, pay, to be paid to get there. And, you know, I, one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes is the, um, is the, uh, the, the treasure you seek is in the, the cave you fear. And obviously you want the treasure and that's the goals. And being around the net, you're gonna have some fear to go there because you're gonna pay a price. And so, that's something that, uh, as a hockey player, understanding that it's a lot easier to score goals from the crease, two, three, five feet away, than it is out by the top of the circle on the boards.
2: Scott, my last question for you is: We've seen the bean pot video, and I'm <clears> kind of <throat> wondering if you a go to karaoke bars, and if you do, what is your go-to song?
6: Macarena. I've ne- this is the first time I've been inside a bar.
0: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
1: well, wait a second. Coachy said that once too. Wait no no. <laughs> wait a second though, no, Scott. This is aside from that, you played in Johnstown, yeah. okay? And Johnstown is where they filmed Slapshot So, what my question really wanted to be is, how close to reality is it? Is that environment up there, or was that environment up there when you played there in the in
6: the late 80s to what we kind of saw in the movie? 100%. <laughs> uh, you ever been to Johnstown? I, I sat in Reg Dunlop's seat, and uh, Steve Carlson, one of the handsome brothers, was my coach. Really? So there's yeah. some more reality for you. And, uh, uh, reality. And then, uh, you know, you drive downtown, and you see the dog you know, in the little courtyard there and the, the, the diner that was uh, popular during the movie. and uh, the, like, the very first game, I, I, I'm sitting in the backup goalie. Uh, I arrived at 4.30, and I was backing up, so I'm, I'm literally sitting in the crowd. There's no room on the bench. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sitting there, and I look up, and it's the national anthem, and they have this little flag, and uh, they got a little fan blowing it to make it like the <laughs> you know, flags waving in air. And, uh, and I sat there, and I said to myself, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> but that ended up being you know, one of my best years in hockey, and if I had not uh, played out that year... If I had gone home and said, you know, enough's enough, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have played in the NHL. I wouldn't have played in the Olympics, coached in World Championships, World Cup of hockey, and and get my second opportunity to be an NHL coach.
0: Another step on the journey, which, oddly enough, led you right here next to us. See how things work out for you?
6: (laughs) That has been the highlight. That's right. (laughs) Well, Scott, we really appreciate it. We (laughs) really
1: appreciate you coming by and doing this. uh, Yeah. This is a really cool thing, and I think that the fans appreciate it as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's right. here it for Scott Gordon. Thank you.
0: Good luck getting a, get the win coming up on Monday too. I know you got a long homestand and uh, kind of maybe sink your roots down a little bit and not be jet setting all over the country yeah. for a couple of days would be nice for it's you. Uh, it's
6: it's a lot of fun being in our building. Right from the 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 job Lauren Hart does on the national anthem, I you know it's it's awesome. The momentum builds right from there, and you you move through the game and. and Games like this are just tremendous to be a part of.
0: Scott Gordon, everybody. It is the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters Roundtable. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back with more right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters Roundtable. Thank you very much. Very much appreciate it. Anthony Sanfilippo's got some uh, some words
1: for you. Yeah, I got some business you know, to take care of here, Jason. Just wanted to let you know that uh, uh, part of this show is brought to you by Bryn Mawr Medical Specialists Association Cardiology at Lankanaw. Doctors Jason Bradley and Jeffrey Wool are conveniently located at 6 Lancaster Avenue in Wynwood within walking distance from Lankanaw Hospital where they are on staff. They've both been recognized as top docs in cardiovascular disease by Mainline Today magazine. They specialize in preventative cardiology, cardiovascular imaging, preoperative cardiac clearance, sports cardiology, and general cardiovascular care. Appointments are often available within 48 hours. They have a full on-site cardiovascular imaging suite where they perform cardiac and vascular ultrasound, stress testing, halter monitoring, and much more. And the best part, parking is free. If you have any cardiac symptoms or concerns or if you just want to make sure your heart is healthy and stays that way, call them today at 484-380-2808. Once again, that's 484-380-2808. All right, there we go. We're back here at Bullies
0: at Xfinity Live after the Flyers just won their seventh straight game. Let me reset the panel. To my right, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic and Broad Street Hockey. Anthony Sanfilippo from the Snow the Goalie podcast. Bill Meltzer. From HockeyBuzz, NHL.com and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Russ Cohen from the Stick to Hockey podcast, Off the Post podcast, and uh, uh, NHL Hockey Prospects Radio on Sirius XM NHL Radio. And Anthony Mangione from Off the Post and also Center Ice Philly Magazine. And coming up, uh, we'll also be joined in our next segment uh, by some members of Broad Street Hockey, Kelly Hinkle, Steph Driver, Bill Motts Also, Russ Joy from the Snow the Goalie podcast. And uh, we got a lot to get into. So, guys, we just spoke with Scott Gordon. So now's a great time to have the debate, the great head coach debate, if you will. Uh, we all know that they contacted Joel Quenville or had a conversation about Joel Quenville because Dave Scott brought it up in the press conference where Ron Hextall was announced his firing. So is the next coach of the Philadelphia Flyers Joel Quenville? Is it another big name that is not Quenville? And does Scott Gordon have a realistic chance, and should he have a realistic chance? We'll start with you, Charlie?
4: I really think that the higher ups want a big name. Uh, I, I think Scott Gordon has been fine so far, I, and I, I wouldn't. If they make the playoffs, he'll have a chance. He'll absolutely have a chance. But you go back to it. Fletcher has actually he's fired a coachman season before he fired Mike O and uh, and hired uh, John Turchetti to be his his interim. Torchetti got them in the playoffs, and then they went and they hired Bruce Boudreau. It, it, basically as soon as Boudreaux was let go from, from his past job. So there is a precedent that Fletcher has set that, you know, even if the interim gets the team in the playoffs, I'm not necessarily going to stick with him. At the same time, they are so they they started out so far out of a playoff spot that you would think if he can get them in the playoffs, he's going to have a darn good chance of staying the coach. Then again, I don't necessarily think they're going to make the playoffs, so it might be a non-factor there. But I, I really do believe that, that the decision-makers – Around the Flyers want a big name. Whether that's Quenville, I mean, that's going to come down to Joel Quenville. You know, he's he needs to want the job. Everybody is going to want Joel Quenville, so it's whatever job he wants. But I do believe there's a there's a bias in favor of getting a, a big flashy name to be the the next full time coach. The
5: B-
0: Bill, is the job a sexy job? Is it a desirable job for a guy like Joel Quenville or a high pedigree coach?
5: Well, I mean, usually coaches part of the coaches mentality is they. You know, they believe they can get pretty much any group to play better. I mean, that's that's just goes goes with the turf. I, I would think that a coach would look at, you know, the uh, the core pieces that will still be here and the group of young players that are here and would find it to be an intriguing opportunity, you know, that, that a team that might not be, you know, as far away long-term, especially if they think the goaltending is there. So, I mean, I could see, you know, I could see a, a big-name coach having interest in the opportunity. Um, you know, I could see Scott Gordon... You know, staying on as an assistant coach, helping his chances—you know—of getting a, getting another job somewhere else or, or whatever the case might be. I mean, he you know he's known for his work on specialty teams and certainly helped the Phantoms in that area. And you've seen a surge with the, with the big team. So you know, I, I think Scott Gordon um, is helping himself in in a variety of ways. Whether that would be staying here or not, I mean, that'll be up to Chuck to decide. You know, it's funny. Um, one thing that Dean Lombardi has said and it was said about a year or two ago is that. You know, it, the sequencing of the coaches is just as important as who the coach is. You know, um, like when Terry Murray was brought in at the right time for for the LA Kings, Sutter was brought in to finish it off, and it might not have worked if you'd done it the other way around. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of quality coaches out there. You know, certainly there's something to be said for what a, a coach brings. You need to look no further than the New York Islanders. Look at the way they hemorrhage goals against. They they lose John Tavares. You know they they brought in Barry Trotz, and all of a sudden it's a whole different hockey team, just because he instilled a whole smarter and better way of playing there. So you know I don't think you can underestimate the impact that a coach has, and I do think the Flyers would be a, a, a team of interest to you know a variety of candidates out there, whether that's Joe Penville or not. You know I don't know.
0: Anthony Mignogna, when you look at, uh, I I have this saying, and it kind of goes against what Bill just said. Uh, you show me a good goalie, I'll show you a good coach, right? Well, with what Carter Hart has shown so far, uh, are, we, are we good with the coach or the organization
3: saying he's our number one guy from this moment on? I think overall you have to, you know, evaluate, again, as, he, as, as you move along, you see how he's handling the load more than anything. So far, he's done an outstanding job of being able to manage, you know, playing at the NHL level but he is 20 years old, you do have to keep that in mind. Very rare that we see a goaltender this young play in in the NHL and be able to continue a a long stretch without bumps on the road. So I do think you go into next, you certainly go throughout the rest of the season and with next season with the idea that Hart is your number one, but you do need to bring in, I believe, another goaltender, a veteran who, when you get those bumps in the road, and if he has that sophomore slump, has those difficulties, that you have somebody there that could play 30, 40 games, potentially, if he has to get things in order. Russ, when you look at this situation, a, a lot of people saw what Anthony
0: Stolarz did in that 38-save shutout. The other night said, well, I don't need to see Elliot or Neuwirth again. And who knows if you ever see Michael Neuvirth again or if he's at the bottom of the Delaware River right now with cement boots. I have no idea. He gave
1: you out a jersey after the game. Oh, he did? He yeah, did. so he's did heard he, his name. Did he,
0: it's called Game Worn. Did he actually wear it? <laughs> yeah, he probably got hurt in it somewhere. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh. but, 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 Russ... How,
0: see, I'm of the opinion, too. It needs to be a tandem with a veteran goaltender. Who fits the bill?
2: Well, Cam Talbot? I think Cam Talbot does. I think we heard after this game. They trained together. Heart trained with him. He's yeah. buddies with him. I think there's... Cam Talbot has been in both roles. He's been where he's the one. He's been the 1A. He's been the backup tandem guy. He's been in every role, and I think he's the perfect guy. I think you bring him in, he doesn't have an ego. I think Hart can still learn some things from him. I, look... Talbot's not the youngest of goalies, but if you look at the kind of shape he's in, I was in that locker room. I, I, I was impressed. Even in that game, he made some five-alarm saves that the Flyers really had some good pressure on him. So I, I think Talbot would be the choice. Now, the question is, do you give up assets for him or an asset, probably just a third or fourth rounder, to bring him in now to see how he fits in, or do you wait until the summer? That's the question. All right, and when you look at it, if it's not
0: a guy like Joel Quenville, who, who are the other options? Is Yo an option? Charlie just brought him up. Is Todd McClellan an option? Is another guy that maybe shakes loose? Maybe Boudreau, if uh, the Wild falter, is he an option?
1: I, I don't. I don't want any part of Bruce Boudreau. He wins a lot of regular regular season, season games. Can't <laughs> <laughs> win in the playoffs. Um, I, you know, I, my initial reaction uh, at the beginning was that Mike Yo would be would be the guy. I mean, he was he was certainly Chuck Fletcher's guy initially. Uh, in Minnesota, and he was like, you know, that that young up-and-coming coach uh, didn't really work out there, didn't really work out in St. Louis. So uh, I think I think they would want more of a veteran guy. Look, the, the organization is going to push and push hard for Joel Quenville. The question is, especially because his name is, has been out there. The question is, does Joel Quenville want the Flyers? Yeah. I mean, Joel Quenville, to me, once you win three Stanley Cups, right? This is no different than Phil Jackson in the NBA. Okay? He won all those championships with the Bulls. He got to choose where he wanted to go next. Now, it didn't really work out for him going to, you know, when he went to New York, right? Well, but he did all right in L.A. He did all right in L.A. <laughs> but it, but I'm saying, you know, he went to L.A. to win, and he won yeah. there with, with superstars. Yep. And then he went to New York, and it, and it kind of faltered. But the point is, is that Quenville's got that cachet. He can go wherever he wants to go. So at the end of the season, if he sees a better situation than it's going to take three years, two, three years for the Flyers, then he's going to take that. And, and we won't know. Like, we won't know if, if this was an option. So, because
0: teams will be willing to fire their coach if he's available, I especially agree. in the offseason. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So and then, and then, depending on who gets fired, maybe there's another name that we're not even talking about right now that would suddenly become available that might be an option for this team. So, look, I think Scott Gordon is setting himself up well for a role, either as an assistant, as Bill said, or if he continues to do well with this team, to, for a, an organization to give him a chance somewhere else, especially a team that's got young prospects, young players. That's really he works where he's really excelling. Well. He works really well with young players. Yeah. So, so a team that's kind of rebuilding, uh, that that could be a good spot for Scott. But I don't, I don't think Scott Gordon, even if even if they somehow make the playoffs, I don't think Scott Gordon is the head coach October of 2019.
0: All right. Let me throw this out, Charlie. I want to start with you. Are we okay with Ron Hexall being fired?
4: You know. So I'm This somewhat, is a loaded question, it's a very, by the it's way. It's a very loaded question. <laughs> uh, the way he set the table for the situation they're in now. I know, obviously, it doesn't look that great but at, at the current moment, but the Flyers have a ton of cap space. They have a good a good young set of players. They have a bunch of prospects coming. So I have a lot of respect for what he did, but there's there's two reasons why I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. And the, and the first reason is just that, I think Bill actually hinted at this earlier, is just that, he really whiffed on this past offseason. And there, there's something to be said about you know, the idea of deserving to be fired. He had a really bad offseason. Yeah, he got JVR, but there were a lot of things that were just ignored. You know, you had, you had the penalty kill was awful last year, and the solution was we're going to sign Christian follen and plug Corbin Knight in and keep the coaching staff and basically use the exact same strategies we did last year. It was a disaster. You go to the goaltending. I didn't necessarily have a problem with going in with Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert, but that was without the knowledge that Michael that, that Brian Elliott wasn't necessarily a guarantee to be ready for game one. You know, Ron Hexel in his in his final press conference basically said, Well, what was I supposed to do? Go out and sign and sign a goalie who was just as good as the guys I already had? And I was just thinking to myself, yes, when both of those guys are a they they have very good chance of not being healthy and having major injury issues the following year. Yeah, you go out and get another one because yeah, maybe the talent level isn't the same, but you can at least trust well, another guy. available. Who, yeah, that would would have stayed yeah. healthy. So you have a couple big mistakes that are made and you know, this was supposed to be a step forward year, and I can understand why the you know the higher ups would look at it and say, this was a step forward year and you whiffed, you need to go. But the, the other factor is just that and, and I, I wrote this in my, my column after he was fired, is that when you're a general manager of a team, especially a team like the Flyers, you just you have to know how to play the game. And it's, it's this way in any job. And when I say play the game, I mean do the internal things and understand the team and the culture and the fan base that you're now dealing with on a daily basis. You know, the Flyers, for years, have ingrained in the fans the idea that we're always contending, we're always winning. And Not that Hextall's idea for, you know, we have to take a step back and take a longer view, not that he was wrong. I believe that he was right. But there were ways that you maybe could have, you know, Throwing the fans a bone once in a while, like last year at the trade deadline, maybe you trade for Michael Grabner. You know, yeah, you're probably it's probably not gonna have a major, league, but at least it tells the fans and it tells the higher ups that now does matter to a degree. And there were things that, like that that Hexel is just not willing to do. And then you go into you know the things with the with the alumni. You know, you're running a, an organization that has has been well known for treating everybody in the in the organization and even tangentially connected to the organization extremely well and it's kind of part of the job description to keep them happy and you know you can argue whether it was actually important or not with regards to the team but it's again, it's knowing how to play the game. And he's and a member of that alumni. Yeah, and I just yeah. I don't think he was, whether he was incapable or unwilling, he just didn't play the game well. And you need to understand the role that you have and, and the organization that you're running. And I just think there was a little bit of a disconnect
1: there. Is, is it possible that he was just a guy who was really good at being doing the things that like assistant general managers do, in the sense that he, um, he was great at identifying young talent and great at stockpiling assets and, and great at really you know building um, uh, the farm system up really well. But then when it came to actually managing for the here and now and managing the team that's going out onto the ice every day, that maybe he fell a little short of those standards. And I think that that's really what you're looking at with Ron Hextall because it, it really got to a point where the team stagnated, and it stagnated because the roster didn't change. Yes, these players were coming. Yes, he was he was putting them in, in a good position for the future, and that's great. But you don't know what that future is, right? I mean we didn't know, uh, I mean you know, we, we we all were excited about Carter Hart, but we really didn't know if he was gonna be Jim Carrey or Carrie Price, right? We didn't know. <laughs> so so the fact of the matter is, is that, that that's something that, you know, you had to find out if it was if it was you know, what that was gonna be. But it was going to be eventually. It was going to be something that was down the line. He wasn't really making the decisions that needed to be made to fix the team currently. And when you when you're given four years and all you give us is every other year you make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round, that's just not, that's not progress. Teams that were worse than the Flyers they sur- lapped lapped them, surpassed yeah. them. And so that's what, so to me, I think he did a lot of great things too, Charlie. Yes, absolutely. But he did a lot of great things that he did in Los Angeles as the assistant GM yeah. and never really established himself to do the things that he needed to do correctly as a general manager, and I think that's where his flaw was. Yeah, when you get lapped by Colorado and Buffalo,
0: especially to that point when he was terminated, and, and teams like Montreal, and you look at their situation and what Bergevans have dealt with there. Uh, Anthony Manjoni, though, I want to ask you, because you know the big thing with Hextall was prospects. They're coming. These guys are coming, whether it's Frost and Farabee or O'Brien or Phil Myers and, and everybody. We've heard all the names through the years. You're a prospect guy, along with Russ. What's
3: coming? Give us the what What is Frost? Is he untouchable? I'd say it's pretty close. I mean, at this point, you, I, I, it depends on what's offered. It depends on, because if you look at how Morgan Frost is playing this season, he played, he's played unbelievably well. With 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 so he had, he had some rough rough patches certainly to start but he's been an absolute tear since then, World Juniors fantastic, it would have to be in order to trade Morgan Frost it would have to be a, to my in my mind as part of the deal it has to be for a, a franchise altering type of trade like
0: a Tarasenko,
3: it had to be all, all, at least on that level exactly okay. in terms of being part of the package absolutely,
0: I right, Rush you, you see these guys too you, you you know you follow the World Juniors we all do but you you're a prospect guy. Give us the lowdown on Farabee and O'Brien, because two guys last year, O'Brien was a little bit of a pick that left a few people scratching their heads, and obviously he's uh, very, I don't want to say physically
2: immature, but that's
0: pretty close to being accurate. So what's the timetable on those two players?
2: I mean, O'Brien's far away. I mean, he got drafted out of prep school. He is fast. We like his moxie, but he did get injured, so now this year is sort of like a, a weird year for him. We're not really getting to see everything he can do. So you're, you're talking three to five years for O'Brien. For Farabee could be quicker. I mean, you're talking about a freshman year that started off slow and now he's almost a point a game on a, on a mediocre team. That's pretty impressive. He's got an elite shot. He's very smart. He's fast. He's played in the NTDP so that's a big deal with the National Team Development Program. And I'll see him in the bean pot in a, in a couple weeks and I'll see what he does in like these big games because he's He's a pretty good big game guy, too. So I think he's closer. I think you're talking about two to three with, with Farabee. But, you know, to answer about the other guys, though, player development is a tricky thing. And there was no player development before Hextall got to the to the Flyers. He added levels to it. Matter of fact, they made it secretive after I was watching it. I came really early one day to, to rookie camp and was watching it, and Sam Moran told me how high he jumped, and then nobody ever told me anything ever again because they hit all the equipment. But... He added that. He added sports science. He added analytics. I don't even know if there's a sports science room anymore. I don't know if they still, there is. Okay, Bill confirmed that. That's good. So (laughs) there are all those things that he added. It's easy to say he had a misstep, which he did, but he didn't get a chance to spin out of it either and come out on the other side. So I think Fletcher will benefit from a lot of things he did But I also think matching up the player development is going to be tricky. Now, Brent Flair has come on my show many times, and I think he's good, and I think their recent meeting was smart. They had an organizational meeting in January. All those things are great, but we're not going to see results until this draft and in the coming year. So now it's hard to say with some of these guys. You don't know for sure. All right. Uh, Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back.
0: We're going to shuffle the panel for a segment. And these guys are going to return for our final segment. So anybody that's out here watching, too, mind you, we're going to give you guys a chance to ask the panel questions as well. If you're a prospect nerd like a lot of people, well, you can ask prospect questions. we got the right people for the questions here, and we're having the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters Roundtable coming up next on the panel. Russ Joy, Kelly Hinkle, Steph Driver, Bill Montz. Charlie may even hang around because we need him, and we love him. We're back after this. All righty. We are back at the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters <laughs> Roundtable. Uh, you guys are down. Da- can you guys hear us down there? Yes, sir. All right.
7: I can't hear a thing.
0: Okay. Well, that <laughs> you sound like my wife. I can't hear you. Well, she doesn't want to hear me. Uh, well, Welcome back. And uh, Charlie O'Connor joining us. Anthony Sanford, Bill Mott's from Broad Street Hockey. I can't see it's what It's whatever. Can you get it right, Jason? Right, it's, a, that,
8: it's that Philadelphia A. You just go, ah. It's are Bill ha- Motz. Are you happy, Ava? I, I got it Bill right. It's Bill okay, Thank you.
0: Are you going to be Ava
8: Motts or Matts? Yeah, whatever you want. I'm going to be Bill Graham. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, it's Big Daddy. Are you, are you going to be my godson?
0: Uh, ah. Russ Joy from uh, the Snow the Goalie podcast on Crossing Broad. Also, Steph Driver is here from Broad Street Hockey. Hello. And Kelly Hinkle is here. Hey, How are you guys doing?
8: Quite well. How are you, Jason?
0: Um, I'm doing all
8: right. They, the Flyers have a seven-game win streak, which I didn't expect. I don't think anyone did. Well, how do you not with this team? Of course, as soon as they're (laughs) out of it, they start winning out of pure spite.
0: Well, that's like the thing, and and you guys see the tweets. Everybody goes, ow, look what they're doing now. They're going to screw up, lose for Hughes, and now they're going to screw
8: this up. Were you a lose for Hughes guy? It took me a while because I do the post games every game on Broad Street Hockey's Facebook, and every game we have people in there like, no, losses are good. This team doesn't have enough dynamic talent. Let's just get a top pick. And go from there. They threw away the first half of the season. And while I agree somewhat that, as everyone said uh, in the first couple segments of this show, yeah, we've seen this before. They're a streaky team, and then they get into the first round, or they just miss. They get eliminated. But we've never seen this version of this team before. We've never seen this team with a goaltender. We've never seen 20-minute-a-night Travis Sanheim before. We've never seen Nolan Patrick coming into his own. Now, all of a sudden, Wayne Simmons looks like he can move like an NHL player again. There's a lot of things to this dynamic that, while I was, it took me a while, but I did get on lose for Hughes. Now, I just kind of want to see where it goes, because maybe we don't need one of those guys. Okay.
0: Well, Steph, let me ask you, because um, you're emotional. Like, you get, you get wound up. I've listened to you before.
7: Like, once in a while. Nah, just
0: sometimes. But when, when you see what's happening right now, do you feel conflicted?
7: I'm really conflicted. Because I, I am too. So the last thing that I want for this team is to have them draft at 13, have them miss the playoffs, and not have a top draft pick. Because this is a team – I mean, all teams could benefit from a top draft pick. This is a team that would benefit from Jack Hughes or Capocacco.
8: I just want Capocacco
0: because I love the name.
7: Oh, Isn't it amazing? I, yeah. I have
8: his jersey already tame. pre-ordered. If they don't get him, <laughs> it's going to be a real bummer for me.
7: So there's, there's no – bad outcome for this team if they miss the playoffs, except for barely missing the playoffs. If if they're going to tank, let them tank. But this is what we're looking at. The team next year, they need to get better than what they are right now. This is what we're seeing with this group of players with a solid goaltender. If they can improve on that, either at the trade deadline or at the draft, it's it's. Nothing but good things for next season.
0: Okay, so Kelly, I've had these conversations with with Bill Meltzer that losing for lose for Hughes is foolhardy because if that, that is the case, then Nolan Patrick doesn't have a good second half. Then uh, all of a sudden, your goaltender and Carter Hart probably didn't perform that well, and that the damage that could be done and that non-performance and development of those guys, JVR probably doesn't play well, and all of those things are more detrimental to the future of this team than even Jack Hughes could be. Do you believe that?
9: Uh, Yeah, I definitely do. And the thing about it is, like, even if they do lose out and they do get a lottery ball, the likelihood that they're going to get Jack Hughes is still extremely small. 18.5%. Yeah, then you end up with a lost season. Like you said, none of those guys are developing the way you want them to, and you still don't have Jack Hughes. So then what?
0: what? What do we think of Jack Hughes? And I'll throw this to everybody. What do we think of Jack Hughes as an NHL prospect?
9: I want capo caco. Yeah. I mean, if you get, if you can get Jack Hughes.
7: I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> if you can get Jack Hughes, you get Jack Hughes. But well, I yeah. don't think anybody believes that the Flyers are going to win the lottery. <laughs> Why? So. Yeah. Do we
0: still well, have, like,
8: negative I mean, we, bad we luck?
7: Just got, we just jumped from 13 to 2, so we've used our draft
8: lottery karma. Maybe our Oilers luck is going to start kicking in where we just, like, finished
10: finish 10th, win the lottery somehow? Well, Russ, I don't happen. think you we, want that we, luck. Uh, we sacrificed yeah. Dale Weiss, so I'm pretty sure that we, we deserve some karma at this point. I think that'd be great.
0: So we're all okay with the fact that Dale Weiss is, is no longer going to ever wear a Flyers jersey again. Are we okay with that? No. We're not?
7: <laughs> I'm not. I, no. Could, I couldn't hear the question. I'd
0: be happy you couldn't. Uh, so...
7: I heard something about Dale Weiss. (laughs) Exactly. I can't believe that people are spending so much time talking about Dale Weiss. Let me build
10: a case for Dale Weiss. I can't believe I'm going to do this. A year ago, I never would have done this. You shouldn't start now. Well, Nolan Patrick, multiple times after games, has talked about the importance of Dale Weiss's leadership on the team. And I know that it's it's really easy to hear the term leadership and say, well, the guy sucks, right? That's what we call him. If you're a team leader, if you're a, a leadership guy, if you're a locker room guy, then you have to be a trash player. In the case of Dale Weiss, like, we've seen a guy who fit a role, who adapted to the role. It wasn't the role that Ron Hextall brought him in to be. I mean, when we interviewed him, it wasn't something where, like, he said the fourth-line tag is something that bothered him. And then, oddly enough, two days after we interviewed him and he talked about how it's good for players to be open to the media, he got, yeah. you know, waved. Um, I, I think you're looking at a situation like, tell me how, how Phil Veroni should be here when we've at least seen that Dale Weiss is a competent player. Tell me how sending Dale Weiss down and playing Yuri Laterra, who, by the way, is still under investigation for as being part of a cocaine ring in Finland. Tell me what value he brings to the team. It's not like I'm saying let's have Dale Weiss here in place of like Nolan Patrick. That's not the point. But unless you're going to bring up somebody from from the Phantoms, which, I mean, there are players that we want to see up here. You know, if the idea here was to go with a youth movement, and that's why Dale Weiss is in here, then by all means. But Phil Veroni, Yori Laterra, like, these aren't exponentially more gifted players.
0: So you're saying he's the least evil of many lessers.
10: Yeah, I mean, at least you know what you have in him. I would rather than bring somebody up from the Phantoms. By all means, please, bring a youth movement here. So I The team's really, too good. I can't hear Russ. Is this like a, a really passionate defense of Dale Weiss happening right now? <laughs> it's, it's It's a plea. Okay. <laughs> Just, I need somebody to explain Phil Veroni and Yori Latera to me.
8: Not, well, neither of, of them
10: should be on
7: the team either. Yeah, that's no. easy. Those but, things but the
10: fact are, is that they are, right? Like, yeah. And one is under investigation for a cocaine ring. So, like, I don't know. He's not playing. Is, is da- well, he, he played the day that they waived uh, Dale Weiss. So, like, again, like, that's to me as a person, like, why is he even associated with the organization? I think a, right? lot, so of, like,
8: a lot of the bottom of the roster decisions the the in the last couple of years have been mostly indefensible. Like, whether it's, okay, Verone, Weiss, Laterra, whoever, none of them really matter. I just hate yeah. this idea that Dale Weiss is a leader and that's why can't the good players be leaders? Yeah. Like, why, why is it Andrew McDonald? If Andrew McDonald's entire value is what he does intangibly, make him the damn coach. Yeah. Like, why can't Claude Giroux, the captain, what? be the leader? Why can't Sean Couturier be a leader? Shane Gossesbear, who's now been here a while, why aren't they the leaders? Well, why does it have to be well, Dale Friedman?
10: Bill, you, you, well, we, you know the Jay, answer to that. Jake has been here for how many years? But, and isn't it fitting that the players have never voted him as an assistant you captain? You know, I like, well,
8: think about that a lot and never bring it up because I say letters on the sweater are like an overrated thing. Yeah. But it is a little... It's weird, it's right? It's odd that all of a sudden Sean well, Couturier gets but, a letter. But you
0: know the answer to that question is why do they say that about guys like like Andrew McDonald and guys like, uh, you know, Dale Weiss? It's because they can't say anything positive about them in any other regard. So you find something. Oh, he's here. He's a good leader. Like, good yeah. players, you don't need to say that about. Because I put the guy on the ice, and he puts the puck in the net. This is yeah. a really simple game. You know, like, hey, if we score more goals than
8: them, we'll probably win. Yeah. Right? It's really simple. Break it out. Get through the neutral zone. Get on offense and create a scoring chance. Yeah. That's what hockey is. Yeah. All, like Dale Weiss and all these guys, it's just a waste of time. That's what I hate about what's going on recently. I feel like they've been wasting my time with so many of their roster decisions. Okay. Yeah, the
4: the, the reason why, like, I'll I'll kind of respond to the, like, why is it a good thing to get Dale Weiss out, even though, really, he's probably better than, he's definitely better than Uriah He's probably better than than Phil Veroni as well. One thing I liked when, when I did research on Fletcher in Minnesota, what he did in Minnesota, one thing I really liked about him as a general manager is that, When something isn't working, when a player, when he signs a guy and it doesn't work, when he trades for a guy and it doesn't work, Fletcher is willing to just say, okay, it didn't work, I'm cutting bait with the guy. And that was one thing that Ron Hexel was never willing to do. Like, when he got a guy who just didn't fit or just wasn't good, they just kept rolling him out there and pretending that everything was okay. I like the fact with Weiss, even though I agree, Weiss has been better this year. He's been a better player this year, much better than last year. But I like the idea of, this isn't working here and rather than be like, well he's got one more year left in his deal and we can just ride it out because cap reasons and all this other stuff. I like the fact that Fletcher drew a line and hand. it's like you know what? Dale Weiss is not one of our twelve best forwards next year. Why is he still here? Let's let's cut him. let's Cut bait with them now, whether it's a trade, whether it's a buyout at the end of the year. I like the fact that the decisions are being made about the guys who shouldn't be on this team when it's good, and they're just being let go, and we're not just spinning our wheels and keeping Dale weiss because he's got a contract and we signed him, so we gotta use him.
10: I feel like we're arguing two different points though. Yeah. Like I, I don't think there's anybody that's disputing the fact that Dale weiss or Laterra Phil Veroni really don't belong on an NHL roster. Right? I mean yeah, like that's yeah. that we're we're effectively spinning our wheels. Jordan Wheel. Jordan Wheel. It's been, it's been I, I think our Jordan yeah, Wheels yeah. here, but like, yeah. If the team were, were willing, at some point to call someone up, right? Like, we ex- nobody seemed to expect. Oh, give me a game game name. Don't shoot, s- right?
0: don't give me someone. Give me a name. I don't care. Well, you gotta I, care. I, I, I do because they, they called Because they called up Nick they, was a well, guy. Well, they that, called look, up Phil Veroni, look, so you can't say I don't care. When, when we interviewed Ron
10: Hextall <laughs> last yeah. year, Ron Hextall only named two guys that were on the Phantoms as being possible contributors to the team to this me. year. One was Alex Lyon, and one was Nick Abbe Kubel. And not, Nick Abbe Kubel was the idea can there you, was. Can you talk for,
7: into the microphone? Sure. We can't hear you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay.
10: Thank you. Works better when you The idea with Nick Abbe Kubel per Hextall was. A guy that they could use internally to fill the, the need on the penalty kill. Like, inter- but, he, but he never got that shot. And even in, in the case of Fletcher, to Charlie's point, if the idea here is let's get our best 12 forwards, you can't tell me that Nick Abe Kubel isn't a better option than Phil Veroni or yeah. Lutterra. I, I mean, he's hurt now. And but,
8: even if he's yeah. not a better option immediately, He's somebody who factors into the future, so find out, because I already know what those guys well, are. Well,
7: he's hurt. Half the phantoms,
8: yes, at, all the phantoms are hurt right at now. At this very moment, yes. I'm just Yeah, but there's an, there's
0: another factor to it, too. And, and you don't maybe you don't want to bring Abe Kubel here now because he has developmental things that you don't want to bring him here to play on a fourth line because he's not going to develop there. So there's those considerations. You don't always have all your best players on your NHL roster, because that's not how guys develop. But I, I want to ask this question because I- I'm trying to figure this out. And I know where I stand on this question. And it wasn't even one that I was even going to ask today. But I got to ask because I just thought of it. If you could get Claude Giroux to waive his no movement clause, would you move him? No. 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 Okay, nobody would. Because I know where I stand on it, it. I think everybody else knows where I stand. It would nope. take... I, mean, I, I think Giroux is totally overrated. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there is no player. You
7: are
9: out of your mind. There,
0: I'm there kidding. There is no player that you, <laughs> you don't are, at did, least did have a conversation overrated
10: about. Did I just hear
7: overrated and Claude Giroux? No, I, did you just think Claude Giroux is no, overrated? I, no, I,
10: I, no I you just put really awful words in my mouth. No, I literally no, no, no. can't hear
7: I said, anything down what, here. What I
10: said is, there is nobody in the NHL that you shouldn't at least have a conversation about. That's fair. Co- even Connor McDavid, right? No, that's right? fair. Would I love to have Connor McDavid? Absolutely. Would Edmonton ever want to trade Connor McDavid? No. But you have to at least well, maintain... Well, sh- he's this- out. Yeah, well, that's true. Would have been nice to have gotten him for Brandon Manning, right? But, uh, look, you have to have a conversation. I don't know what that package would look like for Claude True, but you can't rule anything out. It would be doing your fans, it would be doing your organization dis- a disservice to not at least explore it. Would I advocate for it? No, absolutely not. There are other guys on the team who make more sense to part with that people view as core members, like guys like... Jake Borachek, guys like maybe Shane Gostis-Bear, who I think we see a better version of in Travis Sanheim. I think at some point, like, you have conversations about those guys. Going into the season, would we have expected it at this point? No. And now that they've gone on this run, do I expect them to do a major core shakeup? I don't know. It really depends on if Chuck Fletcher thinks this team is good enough no, to I think make the, the postseason. The, I believe and, the, and the, I core yeah. Yeah, the, the core shakeup is still there. If you wanted coming. to have
9: a conversation about trading Claude Drew, it had to happen when you hired Ron Hextall. Because that was when the rebuild began. If you didn't trade him then, then you can't trade him now. You're never going to get back his production.
0: It's meaningless if you do it now. Yeah, it
8: doesn't make any sense. Now yeah. you're just losing an all time great franchise player. Yeah. And you, add. and
0: you don't get it. You're not yeah, going to get what you give up.
8: Yeah, that's the thing is yes, of course, you always have a conversation. If the return is going to be Connor McDavid, by all means, trade Claude Giroux. But since that's not a realistic thing or anyone, you know, A franchise player of 25 or younger, that's not happening for a 30-year-old Drew. It's just kind of pointless at this point.
0: Steph, let me ask you this, because um, we know that the players inside that locker room are lobbying for them to extend Wayne Simmons and not trade him. We know what he means as a leader, and he's that flyer mentality, whatever you want to say. Does it make sense to consider retaining him and not trading him at the deadline? No. Pending term?
7: I mean, no, not I mean, he's really. He's not going to sign a three-year it, contract. So he's a leader in the locker room. But what has this team done? What, Where is the leadership? Where, where is that shown on the ice? This team has just been middling for most of his tenure with the Flyers. So if he's that strong of a leader, why are they in shambles? Yeah. Why are they a mess? So, yes, Wayne Simmons is – you know, an ultimate flyer. Like, he is someone that everyone can rally behind. But he's going to get a big payday, and that's not something that this team can afford in this time during their rebuild and in terms of the cap. They've got a lot of young guys that they're going to need to sign, and and Wayne Simmons is just not a part of the future.
0: Charlie, when, when I look at Wayne Simmons, and I totally agree with you, Steph, he's a guy that can't afford to lose a tenth of a step, let alone a half of a step. He wasn't a great skater when he came into this league. He's improved in that drastically. But he's not the kind of guy that can compensate when he does lose burst and and loses that step.
4: Absolutely. He's and not that kind of player. And that's what we've seen over the last year yep. and a half. Ever since the injury struck, and he obviously is a warrior. He was playing through them. He didn't have that burst, and he was totally ineffective at five-on-five. Five. This year, he hasn't really, aside from today, he had the, the big goal on the power play. But he hasn't been scoring, hasn't been finishing on the power play, which used to be his, you know, his strength. It's just you can't, you can't sign him to a long-term deal. Like, forget the, forget the idea of, forget the idea of of leadership and culture for a second. If you sign him to a five-year deal, by year three, he is not going to be a good player. And you're going to have legitimately a bad contract on your book because he's he's going to be 31 when his next contract hits. And you know, look at what's happening with with Milan Lucic. We saw him today oh. in Edmonton. You know, he's seven for seven deal. Yeah, it's, a, it's an <laughs> awful contract, yeah, and horrific. You can't you can't take that risk, especially with where the Flyers are. You know, if you're if you're where if you're Washington was with TJ Oshie, and obviously Oshie's a different type of player than Simmons, but you sign him to that big long deal because you figure the end's going to be ugly but we're a cup contender now and we need him for the next two three four years and we'll we'll deal we'll take our medicine at the end of the deal what are the flyers next year we're hoping they're going to be better but even if Wayne Simmons gives you a good fir- a good year one a good year two of that deal what team is he giving that years to like yeah. he's- we don't know what this team is going to be. We don't know they're a contender. And in the, in the beginning of the deal, when he theoretically would be providing value, when the team we hope is going to actually be a contender, that's going to be when the deal is getting bad and when Simmons is legitimately providing negative value. You just you can't give him that deal. And if you're not going to give him that deal, you owe it to your organization to trade him for the the package that he would bring back in the next three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And the trade deadline,
0: February twenty fifth. Right, I want to ask all of you this question. I'll start with you, Russ. Um, when there's every story he's got an arc. When should the Flyers be a Stanley Cup contender? Where, they can, where they're can, a team, you go, okay, they're gonna win a couple of rounds, they're gonna get to a conference final, and they'll have a chance, you know, with some good goaltending and health and playing the right
10: way at the right time. When can they be a Stanley Cup contender? Two years. Two, two years. Two, two, three three years. It depends on how the offseason goes. Without knowing exactly who it is they're gonna sign or who they're gonna trade for, it depends. Does Chuck Fletcher view a guy like uh, O'Brien as somebody that, like, he thinks long-term is, a, is somebody who's really worth building around? Or does he does he think, like, I didn't draft this guy. I, I wasn't as high on him. I can get something that can impact the team now or get an asset that I can parlay for something better? There, there is a, a path here where if the Flyers were to get cold again, get back into the Jack Hughes sweepstakes, you could theor- theoretically add in one offseason Panarin, Jack Hughes, Maybe you go in and get somebody like Duchesne to kind of solidify as your, your, your center core. And, and in that case, this team is easily into the playoffs next year. They could win a round. I would say two years is where you start getting to that, can we win a second round? And anything can happen in hockey. We saw it in 2010. Nobody ever thought the Flyers were going to come back against the Bruins down 3 nothing. It depends on who your coach is, too. I think Scott Gordon's done a great job. We've had enough times after the scrums have dissipated. Charlie and I, I, think, a couple times have been with the same guys. It doesn't matter if it's a veteran on the team or if it's a young guy. They've all spoke glowingly of the way that Scott Gordon has broken down each player's specific responsibility, has tied that, pro- that professional responsibility on and made everybody accountable. And, and to me, I look at this team and I say, if Scott Gordon is here, maybe it's not as the head coach, Maybe if a guy like Joel Quenville is willing to keep him on as an assistant coach, there are there are components here that make me think there there has been a culture built here that started in the AHL and has has progressed with guys like Sandheim that you could see there being a good culture built here and there is the potential, pending some moves in free agency, pending having a good draft. Your AHL guys developing. There's a path here. Two, three years, you could be a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and that goaltender is obviously a big part of that. Bill? He's not bad. Yeah, that's.
8: I think it's all about what Carter Hart can give you going yeah. forward because as much as we're watching him now and going, yep, he's the guy, we've seen with plenty of prospects, Nolan Patrick, Ivan Proverov, Travis Konechny, Go Stephen Sanheim, yeah. Sandheim, It's not linear. We don't. But if this is what Carter Hart's base is, this is who he is and he's only going to improve, and they go out and spend some money this offseason, they're there. They're there at the start of next year. Oh, wow. Yeah, EK can't get his uh, eight years until after the trade deadline from San Jose. He doesn't resign there. The best defenseman in hockey's on the market. Bring him in. You're a cup contender immediately. I ju- yeah, it's any, any number of things could happen, but I, it, it, it all starts with Carter Hart, and if he continues developing in the way that he has, I have to believe, they're right there as long as they continue to go out and spend and say, "No, we really are going to take that
10: step we said we were going to take this year." Yeah, can you imagine if Stoli can stay healthy? By the way, if you can no. go in, if you can, go, I, I know, I know. Yeah. He's he, I don't. Want to Neuver, th- I don't think it matters. Can, I don't want him to be Michael Neuver. But I don't think it matters. I don't think he's imagine an NHL goalie. <laughs> imagine going into a season with Carter Hart and Anthony Stolarz as your two goalies. I would love <laughs> a sub two <laughs> million dollar exactly. Like goalie that And that's the thing we've never gotten to
0: experience. To me, that's a recipe for disaster. Really? Well, well, because. A I don't think Stolarz is an NHL goalie and B I think having two young goalies is a recipe yeah, well, I you think I think Stolarz
7: can be an NHL goalie but for no more than 20 games a season yeah. I don't think his knees are okay, hold yeah, okay. Up. Yeah, okay. his knee is yeah. completely yeah, this, trash. it should be a
10: 10. Yeah. yeah you're at right. 25 mind you Yeah you yeah. know but so, like to, but like Bill was saying like to, to go in with a sub 2 million ish yeah hit Oh, at that course. position yeah. and be able to finally allocate funds into having but, but here's a top the, six forward get acquired, a, a top two, top four defenseman to, to solidify s- this team. Like, that would be To Steph's point, though, Excellent. if it's for 20 games,
0: I don't want to run Hart into the ground. You know what I mean? And yes, if the guy's likes, not healthy. He likes,
7: a, he likes a heavy workload. Who doesn't? I mean, uh,
8: Every goalie does, but I just that doesn't think, mean you should do it. <laughs> I just don't think the 65-start goalie is a thing like – even the Brayden yeah. Hopis and Vasilevskis nah, of the, the world, this time of the, season, this time of the season, get them a little bre- break because yeah. you know you need them to win you games. In yeah, the postseason. I mean, I want my backup. Games.
0: I want my backup to play thirty to thirty-five games because it's not about the regular season; it's about just teeing it up for the for the postseason. Steph, so what's the arc for you when you look at the arc to where they can contend for a cup?
7: in in terms of like timeline
0: yeah timeline. i mean is this a quick is this a quick retool and it if the gm be. does the right things
7: i think it can be um and i think it all depends there's a lot that depends on how they finish this season you know they get another like i said before if they get another 10 11 12 13 round or draft pick you know it's fine it's all fine and it's going to keep going the way that it has been going carter hart definitely accelerates the timeline. They should have been able to contend this year. And then, you know, things fell apart. Yeah. Um, I think in the next in the next couple of years, we'll see really what this prospect pool that Hextall has built is made of. And that's going to be really interesting to watch. In the next five years, they should be solid contenders.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I'm going to give you the most difficult job. I want you to name the next the coach that's on that bench next year for the Flyers and why, who that person is. It, it, is, it, is it Bruce Boudreaux, the next coach? No. <laughs> is it Joel Quenville? Is it Scott Gordon? Who is Kelly Hinkle? Who are you gonna make the next coach? And who's it gonna be?
9: Quenville. However Well, that was I, easy. <laughs> I do think that if, if Gordon gets them to the playoffs this year, he might have won himself a job. Here? Yeah.
10: Oh, wow, okay.
9: Scott Gordon, yeah. Okay.
10: There, isn't, isn't there a, a, a thought at least? Like I I have no problem with that. I think if he gets into the playoffs, he absolutely deserves that shot. Do we really think that Dave Scott, after all of the turnover that's happened, do we really think that going into next season, Dave Scott, chairman and CEO of Comcast, Spectacor, is going to be happy with Scott Gordon as the name, as the guy on the on bench? the marquee. And, and, no, I mean... And, and I don't think he... I think what we think as people who watch and analyze the game versus what Scott, what Dave Scott is going to want, could be to, two totally different things. But as the panel said earlier, Joel Quenville also has to be willing to coach here. And, yeah. and that's his own whole thing. I mean, we, Dave Scott beast.
9: told us exactly what he wanted out loud with his mouth. We know that he wants Joel Quenville. He wants a big-name coach. He wants to be the splashy hockey guy now, which is cool. Um, but the fact of money. the matter is, like you've said a million times, these big name coaches are gonna wanna have to they're gonna have to want to come here. And there's a chance that they don't. And if Scott Gordon is doing well enough and he seems to be making an impact on this team, especially with the younger guys, I don't think it's out of the question that he wins himself a job.
4: Yeah, I, I almost wonder if for Scott Gordon, it's almost best for his career if he doesn't get this job. Like, I, I honestly think the best thing for Scott Gordon's I agree with head you. coaching career yeah. is he le- Any coach's he, best path is not yeah, through Philadelphia. But, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, like, let's say he leads his team to the playoffs. He leads his team to the playoffs and doesn't get the job. I believe that he would be able to parlay that into a job, a head coaching job elsewhere. Whereas if he were to parlay that in a head coaching job this year, I think that Dave Scott is always going to have one eye on the next big name coach that gets fired. And I don't know if, if I'm Scott Gordon. Like obviously, you want the coaching job. You know the players. You've been in the organization. But I almost think it would be better for him to get the job somewhere else. because I don't, I, I don't think Dave Scott is ever going to be satisfied with Scott Gordon. He's going to be looking for, if not Quenville, he's going to be looking for the next big-name coach that gets fired. And then it's going to be, oh, is is are the Flyers going to fire Scott Gordon a year into his contract because... Bruce Boudreaux or John Cooper or whoever the big name coach gets fired gets fired and it's like, okay, well I want that guy. What about three games into a season? Can we do well, that? We did that once. Okay.
10: I the think, only, the only I think count- it, it makes
7: a lot of sense to keep Scott Gordon within the organization. Oh, I, agree. I I think that he's earned his spot within the Flyers organization as a whole, maybe as an assistant coach The
0: the only, I, I agree with you I agree with you, Steph, because he has um, for lack of a better term, local knowledge of the prospect pool that's all coming through, I think that's a big part of the equation.
10: The only counter to maybe to what Charlie said is, ultimately, will Dave Scott want a guy who has the big name? Yes, but what's the ultimate thing that Comcast Spectacor is going to care about? Money, right? The team lost revenue because the team was so bad. They lost money in concessions, they lost money in parking, they lost money in merchandising. If Dave Scott is able to lead this team to be a successful team, and people start filling those seats again, spending their money, in the arena and on parking. I don't know how much he's going to care who the coach is, assuming that that coach is able to make Comcast money, yeah. and it's, it's not not like it's yeah. the worst thing in the world. If, if a team wins, it, I think it was in
4: in the book Moneyball, it, Billy Bean was like, "How can you let these players go that they fill the seats?" And Billy Bean's response was, "Well, when the team wins, then people fill the seats to see the new group of players yeah. that are helping us win." So it's it's that thing. Winning in the end is the most important thing. If the team wins, he's going to have a shot.
8: I see that. I just look at a fan base. Like, what is one thing we've never been able to say about Flyers fans? They're apathetic. Well, this year. Man, we're all like—we all host podcasts. We know what the numbers are. This fan base is apathetic, and I, I think bringing back a Scott Gordon, while yeah, maybe it would be a good hockey move, that's not what's gonna get people juiced up. It's that's like, hey, really, really good we point. have this uh, yep. three-time Cup winner with a mustache that everyone loves. Yep. We got him, and I just think they're gonna look to make. That move. Yeah, they Even, want
0: the fringe fan. Yeah. They already got us. They
8: have Where us. We're not yeah. going anywhere. They had I, us at hello. I bought a Flyers hat yesterday.
7: <laughs> have, uh, I've got a gritty bobblehead in my purse right now.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Do you really? Is that a gritty bobblehead in your purse? Or are you just happy to see me? All right, uh, we we got one more segment to go. How about a nice big round of applause? Kelly Hinkle, Steph Driver, Bill Mats, Russ Joy. Charlie, and we're going to bring everybody back, and we're going to wrap this thing up. Any questions from the crowd, we'll do that as well. You're listening to the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters Roundtable right here at Bullies at Xfinity Live. Welcome back to the Philadelphia Hockey Podcasters
1: Roundtable. Well, that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it?
0: That title for it? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Got it.
1: Yeah, uh, just, uh, just as a reminder for the second time, this uh, part of this show is brought to, brought to you by the Bryn Mawr Medical Specialist Association Cardiology at Lankanaw. Doctors Jason Bradley, Jeffrey War, conveniently located at 6 Lancaster Avenue in Wynwood within walking distance from Lankanaw Hospital, where they are on staff. They have both been recognized as top docs in cardiovascular disease by Mainline Today magazine, specialized in preventative cardiology, cardiovascular imaging, preoperative cardiac clearance, sports cardiology, and general cardiovascular care. Appointments are often available within 48 hours. They have a full on-site cardiovascular imaging suite where they perform cardiac and vascular ultrasound, stress testing, Holter monitoring, and much more. And the best part, parking is free. If you have any cardiac symptoms or concerns or if you just want to make sure your heart is healthy and stays that way, call them today at 484-380-2808. Once again, 484-380-2808. All righty, uh, final segment here. It's been a great day. Thanks to Scott
0: Gordon, uh, Flyers Interim Head Coach, for joining us. Uh, Great insight from him. Uh, A couple of loose ends. And uh, Do we have any questions from the crowd? Um, I don't know if John's got a microphone. Uh, if anybody has any questions that they want to ask anybody on the panel, again up here, Anthony Mangione from uh, Off the Post podcast, also the Center Ice Philly Magazine, uh, Russ Cohen from uh, the Stick to Hockey podcast, Off the Post, and everything else. One of the 19 books that Russ wrote, <laughs> including 19. this new one, The Philadelphia Flyers Images of Sports. Oh, it says autographed copy. It is. It, oh, you autographed it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we pre autographed them, Jason. Sorry. Oh, okay. I expected it to be personalized.
2: All the authors, though. So. <laughs> okay. This way?
0: Well, you're the only author I know. Uh, Anyway, uh, uh, Bill just got done doing keg stands. Bill Meltzer, he is here on the panel, Anthony Sanfilippo and Charlie O'Connor, and it's been a lot of fun today, guys. Did we learn anything today, Charlie? Did we come to anything that that we can really, uh, you say we learned today that we're good to go here? Please don't make me do 10 things we learned. (laughs) i got (laughs) to do that when I get home. He's got got Uh, enough to worry uh, about. (laughs) He just finished 12. Uh, No, but when you look at the situation, and I want to ask this question real quick because it's a debate that... We all end up engaged in, in some shape or form, as being hockey people in this city, and it's always the defending or uh, the defense of Claude Giroux. Is he the most underappreciated player in Philadelphia sports in the last thirty
4: years? I uh, I think he's got a very good case. Yeah. I, it, maybe there maybe there are some others that, that fall into place, but I think the problem with the problem with Giroux is that. It, he ended up being a great player in an era where the Flyers just were incapable of building around him. And part of it was incompetence in the beginning, and then part of it was just they decided it was best to basically be mediocre for a while to build for the future, and they let basically said, we're keeping Claude Giroux because he's Claude Giroux and because we need to fill the seats as we're going through this retooling process, and he's a guy who can do that because we're, gonna, we're not going to bottom out as long as Claude Giroux is on the team. But, it, you know, it is it is frustrating. I know you deal with it all the time you, yeah. in sports radio when you have people blame it all on Drew. He's a great player. He obviously had that, that downturn primarily due to injury. Now he's back in, in pretty much peak form as, as much as he can be at, at the age he's at. But, yeah, it's... In the end, Philadelphia, Philadelphia wants to see a winner. And if the team isn't winning, they're going to blame the big names, and that's just what Drew has fallen into. But in terms of the actual production, the value that he provides, it's it's staggering just how many points he scores. This decade is going to end, and he's going to be top three most points scored in, in the 2010s. And honestly, it's, it's, it's really sad that Hopefully, he's going to get his cup with the Flyers at some point before he retires. But it's really sad looking back that that degree of dominance was essentially wasted yeah. on the rosters that he had to prop up. Uh, Bill, when you look at it, the other thing about I mean his numbers,
0: and Charlie just alluded to them, they speak for themselves. They're astounding. The other thing that's astounding that sticks out to me is the one number, and it's the GP. It's games played. Yep. His durability is spectacular.
5: Yeah, and, you know, People talk about points per game, and that's you know that's obviously a huge thing. Like Eric Lindros is the franchise's all-time leader in points per game for good reason. He was a great player, but half of the story with Eric, of course, was all the games that he missed. You know, when you're not in the lineup, you're not able to contribute anything. One thing with Giroux is he plays through just about anything. It's hard to get him off the ice on a practice day. I mean, Scott Gordon has said that he had to had to negotiate one day with him just to just escape to that day rather than practice. I mean, he <laughs> leads by example and Charlie, you know, Charlie alluded also to, um, you know, to the playoff part of it. Well, Giroux is in, you know, we're talking about points per game. Giroux is in the top five, top six in franchise history and playoff points per game. The last two playoffs have been a little bit down for him. The Washington one, he was injured. You know, last year was a disappointment just because he'd been so tremendous during the regular season. Um, but you know the playoff numbers are there, and actually people forget that his coming out party as a player was the 2010 playoffs. He scored an overtime, you know, an overtime winner in that series, game three. Uh, had I think believe 21 points in that playoff run, um, that series in 2012 uh, against the Penguins when he outplayed Crosby and the Flyers won that series. Best player in the world. Well, that unfor- yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately Lavin made that comment and, and it became kind of a, an albatross around you know around Claude's neck unfairly so. But I mean I think you're talking about a, a guy who's been a great, great player, has a real good shot to finish second in points in franchise history to Clark. That's that's within his reach. I think only Clark is out of reach for him, already second in assists. I mean I, I think that, you know, as Charlie alluded to, in the years since he's been captain, a lot of that has been the team looking towards a, a more long-term kind of thing. Um, and, and unfortunately the pieces haven't been around him. But I think when you look at great players in franchise history, he's right up there in, in you know, with, with the greats in franchise history. It's just been it's just been what's around him hasn't been good enough. I
0: think uh, Anthony Mingioni and Russ, could he end up in in the Hall of Fame? Or does he need playoff six ultimate playoff success to seal the deal?
3: Think he is, the numbers are
0: pretty astounding.
3: I think he's pretty close. Yeah. I do. I think playoff success. A, a, a good, a long, at least one good long playoff run, I think cements it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's pretty close. I think he's pretty close. His numbers in the two, in this decade speak for themselves. I think in terms of you compare him with a lot of comparables, I think he is. Yeah, you, look the, right there.
0: you look at it You look at through any decade, and the guy that's second or third in the league in scoring in those decades, they're all in the Hall of Fame. Exactly, those guys are. Yeah. They just are. So it's amazing. Hey, hey Russ, when you look at uh, this division and the Metro, when does the Penguin train? and the Washington train finally pull into the station and they pay for their sins?
2: Well, Washington's interesting because of the Hopi, you know, contract running out. Samsonov has been a little bumpy so far getting in, uh, you know, his pro career. So maybe two and a half years for for Washington. Pittsburgh is year to year now. They're they're like a cardiac patient. They just, you know, they (laughs) are. They are. They constantly- Shock we
1: Shock them. We got a sponsor that can help I that. I know, I know.
2: <laughs> free, it's free
1: parking, too. It's free parking, right.
2: But they really, they really are, like, they're one of these teams that Rutherford is literally trading chips every year to try and revive But eventually them that... And just get them there. Then so you pay the price. if it's not the end of this year, because they might lose Kessel over the summer, it'll be by next year.
0: All right. Nobody... Everybody, like, is standing there with their shovels, like, ready to, to shovel the dirt on the Penguins. But, like you said... It, their GM just sits there and just, ah, what do I care? I'm going to be gone anyway. As long as I got Crosby and Malkin and some decent, some semblance of decent goaltending, even though Latang's Le- a shell of himself,
1: maybe that opens up perfectly for the Flyers in this prospect group. Who knows? Potentially. But, I mean, you, you know, it's interesting. You, you see what happens with a team like the Islanders this year. You bring in a good coach, and you have a little bit of talent there, and then all of a sudden... There's another thorn in your side. They give up one less goal per game
0: than, last than they year. did a year yep. ago.
1: That is – I mean, if he's not the Jack Adams winner, then it's, then I quit. It's crazy. Done. It's absolutely crazy what Barry Trotz has done there. So, I mean, I, like – so you just got to be careful. It's not like it's going to be an easy, you know, mm-hmm. step forward. I, yeah. I just think I, – I think that, yeah, the window is is going to open up here for the Flyers over the next year or two, but it's not going to be, you know – Waltz right through that window. It's it, there's going to be there's going to be some roadblocks along the way. Yeah, and who knows what happens in Columbus? Who knows what happens with a team like the Islanders who have cap space coming? Ca- well. Carolina is another one that I think could nah. eventually. Don't worry about them. Yeah,
2: if Carolina actually
1: got good goaltending, sorry. Yeah, I mean we'd be talking about them as a playoff team right now. Yeah, yeah. I think they're I think they're young, nice young defense there. Yeah. I think that there's some good things. I think that they have, if they make the right moves, they could be in the mix as well. Yeah, no question. And how uh, this coaching thing uh, breaks out
0: will certainly be a determining factor. Well, we've certainly said a lot today. I don't (laughs) think we left any stone unturned. (laughs) Nope. Uh, And we want to thank everybody that came here to Bullies Inside Xfinity Live for stopping by. We want to thank John and everybody at Wildfire Radio. Our entire panel, Anthony Mangione. That would be Russ Cohen, Bill Meltzer, Anthony Sanfilippo, Charlie O'Connor, Steph Driver, Kelly Hinkle, Bill Matz, Russ Joy, everybody else that's been a part of this. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again either around the draft or free agency or next year or whenever. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a pleasure. Check out your hockey podcast. Enjoy your hockey, and we'll catch you next time.